This video is brought to you by Black Moon Games. Check out their products at shop-black-moon.com. Uh, you know, whenever I do a convention or uh, an industry event, I'm always reminded of the fact that just the, the amount of releases for tabletop games every year, uh, basically almost every week and every month as well. Um, so I thought maybe we would do an episode as to what aspects of tabletop games make them a must play or a must buy in your mind. Of course, this is going to be a topic that you know, we're all not going to agree on. We're all going to have various takes, but I'm just kind of curious as to what uh, what everyone thinks uh, they're what, what what they prefer for uh, tabletop games uh, in general, uh, whether it, uh, it's a board game, card game, RPG. You know, what what makes a game a must buy or a must play in your mind? Stick around. It's the Chaotic Good Cast episode 139. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to the Cat of Good Cast, our weekly geeky roundtable. I'm your host, Doug Shoot, and with me are my fellow casters, Ben Higgins from Quarterstaff Games. Everyone's always talking about gas prices right now, but air used to be free at the gas station, and now it costs like 50 cents. 50 Do you know cents? why? Do you know why? Why? In inflation. It's if you're getting air for 50 cents at your at your gas station, you're getting a deal because I had to pay two dollars the other day. For air? Yes, for four that minutes. A they, even, they, even, they even advertise it $2 for four minutes. Wow. 50 cents a minute. Wow. Our Geek of the North, the one and only Jason Hunt. In Canada, that's like $5. I know. It's yeah. crazy. You have to get, like take out a second mortgage for it. Uh, well, you know, at least you get to, you get to do, get the fun aspect of being able to chase people around with the air compressor while it lasts. <laughs> and nobody uses the whole time anyway. You may as well um, just be squirting people. Like seriously, if you need if you need four minutes of compressed air, you probably shouldn't have driven your car to the gas station to get that air in the first true. place. That's true. That's true. Uh, before we begin uh, too far, I just want to remind folks that if you're joining us uh, via the uh, the audio podcast, uh, which releases every Thursday night, you can join us every Monday night live on YouTube, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern. Just search for Victory Condition Gaming and give us a follow. Give us a like uh, down here. If, if you'd like to be part of the episode, you can join us in the chat. Uh, we have uh, quite a few uh, folks uh, in the chat right there. Walter W., thank you so much. Greetings. Mr. Allagash as well with us. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. And, of course, Hungry Ewok, as always. Can someone feed Ewok already? I know he's he's always hungry. Every week, every week he's hungry. Every week, every week. One day he will be ravenous Ewok. <laughs> so, oh, it looks like Little Will uh, says uh, already jumped into uh, into the topic. Uh, we've got uh, we're we have great uh, great topic tonight. Uh, this is a topic that I think Ben, you came up with this topic. Uh, I come up with so, all the great topics. You do, you do. I'm, I'm taking credit on all yeah, of them, even absolutely. if I don't. Absolutely. Um, this is uh, a, a, an episode on games that, uh, you know, what, what makes a game a must buy or must play? Um, pretty much what, what triggers that instant 
interest that you're just like, oh, I can't wait to, to get to finally see that or I need to find a copy of that to, to get played and maybe even purchase it from for your collection. Um, because I think it's it's different for a lot of folks. And and I've noticed over the years, my uh, my kind of boxes that I check for games uh, has changed quite a bit. And uh, I'd, I'd be curious as to what uh, what everyone else uh, says as well. Um, there's a whole bunch of different variables uh, as far as as far as this is concerned. Um, so I, I've got a whole list uh, going on and feel free to uh, to let us know in the comments what uh, what variables that you look for with with a solo game or not a solo game, uh, just with a tabletop game. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of we'll try to address both uh, board games and, and RPGs and, and somewhat card games as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think uh, the way that my RPG, I don't know, radar kind of goes off a little bit more. It, it depends on on d different factors than, than board games. I don't know about the rest of you guys. Ben, uh, how about you? Is is do you have a, a different kind of radar for for RPGs than you do board games? Yeah, uh, with, with board games for me, um, it's so much about. I, I guess without tipping my my hand too much sure, sure. on on the, the the must plays, but for me it's a, uh, with board games it's very visual. Yeah, uh, make things must play for me. Well, where it's it's hard to get that across in a in a role play game. I think that that's kind of the the same thing with me. I've I've noticed that uh, lately, you know, I and, I, and I've I think I mentioned this in a, in our private chat that we've got a, a chaotic good cast Facebook chat where all of our members just or all, all the uh, co-hosts kind of chat. Um, you know, if, if an RPG doesn't have a whole, like a lot of really nice art in it, a lot of times I'll pass on it. Just if it's just pages and pages of text, like if it's not fun to read, I don't I don't get as excited about it. But that's just me. The art know. makes it fun to read. Yeah, absolutely. Sucks <laughs> I'm you, just sucks you I'm, in. I'm just picturing the the scene from Disney's Beauty and the Beast where Gaston takes Belle's book away and says, "How can you enjoy this? There's not any pictures." I'm I, I'm I'm typical Gastoning it dude, with the with the RPGs. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Hungry says, "I judge an RPG by their character sheet." Ooh. And I and to be honest with you, that is something that I've heard quite a bit. A, mm -hmm. a lot of people do that. Um, I I hadn't even thought about this until until someone. <laughs> Doug only buys them for the pictures. Uh, sometimes I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I do that. Um, but really, just sometimes, Doug. I'm not all the time. Come on. I'm Jason. thinking it's probably like 97.5 percent <laughs> of the time. Jeez, I tell you, give me some. The number of times I've seen his picture just pop up in our on our in our chat, and I'm like, hey, that's a really cool picture. And Doug's like, I know it's in a game, and I got the game. <laughs> I mean that again. It, it sells. It sells the book, uh, and sells the game. Uh, but this whole character sheet uh, thing definitely, definitely is a thing that that I hear. I've heard more often mm -hmm. lately than I have uh, than I have in the past. Um, I almost sure pretty much universally hate character sheets that are designed by games. You, universally, you hate, you hate character sheets almost to a T. I never use the included character sheets because the boxes are either never big enough, there's not enough room, or there's just not enough information contained on the sheet that I want to write down. So I almost always grab a pad of graph paper and make my own character sheet. Interesting. Interesting. But do you ever like do you ever look at a character sheet first before? It's never deciding, been a deciding, deciding factor for me. 
Yeah. Um, the one game that we have played, and we played it recently, uh, well, not recently, sorry, last year on the cast, actually, because I just saw my Facebook memory for it, was uh, Dante's Inferno. The character sheets for the one shot we did mm-hmm, for that mm-hmm. were astonishingly pretty. Sure. Like yeah, those things were gorgeous. I still have mine actually, but that's pretty much the only game. Like D and D, their character sheets are garbage. Like, like it's just the information just isn't where it needs to be. And it's the fact like that I have to, place. well, and the fact that you are constantly erasing and rewriting things, you, you those fancy pre-made character sheets get ruined so fast. It's just easier to make my own. Okay. All right. Um. Is there any type of this is this, we'll we'll dive into board games in a little bit for RPGs? Is there any type of genre that that, that really kind of catches you before? And I know I've said this quite a bit uh, with with me. Uh, sci-fi RPGs kind of tend to, to you know I, I usually gravitate towards those more than anything else, especially post-apocalyptic sci-fi that kind of stuff. Um, so if if there's a really pretty looking sci-fi or post-apocalyptic RPG. More than likely, I'm going to eyeball it and take a look at it and dig into it and see what it's all about before I, you know, before I, I make the call on uh, on picking it up. Ben, what what about you? I I I'm a fantasy role player. Give me your your D and D, your One Ring, uh, even Vampire the Dark Ages over Vampire the Masquerade. Like that's uh, if if I can swing a sword in it or cast some magic spells. I'm probably on board. And I know you can do those things in, in like sci-fi RPGs as well. They tend to lend themselves to some level of fantasy. Uh, but yeah, give me give me those traditional fantasy trips all day long with a with a role-play game. You know, the funny thing is like I sci-fi or fantasy hasn't really been like it has to be a specific type of sci-fi or fantasy in order for it to kind of get my attention. I've noticed this about myself uh, over the last few years. Uh, and I think it's just because I don't know. I don't know. I like the grittier kind of, you know, low fantasy type of fantasy RPGs more, more than anything else. Jason, what, what about you? What, what are your, what do you lean towards when you first see an RPG? What, what, what draws you in, uh, as far as genre is concerned? Um, for me, it's the cover, the cover of the book. If I, unless I know something about it going in, if I'm just browsing along a shelf at a game store, the cover needs to catch my eye. If it doesn't catch my eye, I'm going to walk right past it. It's it's really is like it's the advertising. That's the it's the first thing you see on a book, so it has to really grab me. Sure. Um, other than that, I really don't have any particular type. Like I'm the standards. I like sci-fi. I like fantasy. Um, for my for a sci-fi, I like um, high future stuff. Um, not necessarily, you know, like where science has gotten to the point where it's practically magic. Um, I just like the thing where it's like so far into the future that you can do away with all of the current, um, I don't want to say drama, but the current, um, I don't know what you want to call it even, the current, the status quo, I guess, where you can just toss it out the window like Warhammer 40K. It is so absurdly far off into the future that you don't have to concern yourself with how it looks in relation to the real world because the real world has been dead, buried, rebuilt on, buried, killed again, rebuilt on, you know, that's 40K for you. But sure. I, that's what I really enjoy in those kinds of games. I, I need to be removed from the possibility of this place or this game is based on a real thing that might have happened in a real time or 
stuff like that. I'm not interested in that. If I want to do that, I'll just read a history book. Right, right. Uh, Hungry says, I usually judge the crunchiness by the character sheet. I do make my own after I create a few characters. Uh, yeah, I, I do. Uh, I, that is a good way to kind of gauge uh, the, the crunchiness of an RPG. Uh, definitely you know what my peeve is, is when it comes to that, actually? What's that? If, if, like, let's say you have an RPG and it comes with a character sheet that you can print. I'll print your character sheet off to have a look at it. Why not? When I go to create my character, if I'm jumping all over that character sheet like a rabbit on speed, that's not a good character sheet. If I have to flip your sheet over and go to a second page or a third page or a fourth page, depending on your on your size of your sheet, if I cannot go through character creation and literally fill that sheet out as it's listed on the page, I'm yeah. not. In, I'm, I'm annoyed. Mm-hmm. I totally get nothing. That, yeah. Nothing irritates me more than being like, okay, so I've done my stats, I've done my name, I've done my uh, my origin or whatever. I know I've done my backgrounds i've done all my height height weight hair color eye color whatever and then it's like flip to page three and fill out this like nah sorry if you want to do proper character creation take me through it step by step and have it fill out the sheet normally that was actually one of the things i really enjoyed about uh when we did the pirate board playthrough mm. is not only was character creation very list like in the book but filling it out on the character sheet itself like yeah was pretty much side by side as, as we went through. So yeah, I definitely, definitely a big plan with that. Especially with a very stylized sheet like Pirate Borg. Like if you were to have the, the one that Luke actually designed printed out in front of you, you'd be looking at that sheet because there's so many cool details on the sheet and it's a piece of art by itself. If they had you jumping around, you'd be like, geez, where did I see that? <laughs> where did I like, go? Oh my God. Like, oh, it's over here underneath yeah. this skeleton's hand, <laughs> you know? And if you're going step by step, it seems perfectly logical and natural. But if you're jumping around, you're like, ah, I don't know where that is. <laughs> uh, Patty uh, seems to have uh, the same, uh, they, they do the same thing that I do uh, with some some RPGs. The, for the RPG, for RPGs, I buy a book for the setting, but to play it by the rules, I need it to be good. And that I've that's never, totally something yeah. that I've done as well. I've bought a I've bought an RPG book and kind of just ditched the rules and just bought it for yeah. the setting because I, <laughs> I, I, like, I, I thought I've, the setting was cool. I can't honestly remember, except for maybe a couple of the D one hundred systems because they're my jam. Um, I don't think I've ever bought a RPG for the rules. No, like no, not well, ever. See, here's here's I I will say I will say that. Uh, if there's a year zero engine RPG out, I will. You're contractually more... obligated to buy those. No, 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 no. That's not true. That's not true. Because there's an open license. And if there's a more board game out that's really cool, then I'll take a look. Like, there are certain, like, you get a few rules that, that really that, pick that, that, that like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, this this uses yeah. this. Okay. That piques my interest. Let me take a look. Because I'll be honest with you, yeah. Pirate Borg wasn't really my jam to be turned to, to be. Totally, totally honest. Uh, honest. I, I I saw it and I was like, oh, this is this looks really cool. Luke is I'm not be a big pirate person, but since it, it uses Mork Borg, I'm like, oh, this will be a lot of fun because I know that system. Um, and I do, and, and you know, and it was fun because you know it's I've, pirates. I, and, I come to love different. the system over time, but I've never picked up an RPG book and flipped through it. Because usually, like really, if you're in a store situation, you don't have time to sit there and read the mechanics of the game unless they have a really good synopsis, True. which very mm-hmm. few of them ever do. But like, and, I've and I'll let you, I'll, after the fact. I'll let you in on a little little secret. 
The store doesn't want you to sit there and read the whole book either. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a store, not a library. <laughs> Flip through it by all means. Yeah. Please don't sit down and read the book. Yeah. Like, I, there's lots of systems out there where I, like, really come to love the rules. Like, Forbidden Lands. I am a huge fan of Forbidden Lands and its rule set. Like, I love that to pieces. Sure. But I didn't, when I picked it up, because Doug's a crack dealer. Um, <laughs> when I picked it up, I was, I was, that one caught me by the art and the setting itself. Cause it was very low fantasy. And then I got to the rules and I was like, oh my gosh, these rules are so intuitive and yeah. so easy to grasp. And the concepts mm. don't require a PhD to understand. Like it was just great for that. See, and, that, and that, that's kind of why I, I would go to uh, year zero. Like if, so, like if something comes out with the year zero engine, I'll, I'll, I'll more than likely take a look at it. It'll pique my interest right away. Uh, I actually picked up Dungeon World for the concepts, not the rules. I liked I liked the stylistic options that Dungeon World presented. More yeah, than that's the rules a, uh, you know, Alagash says uh, I bought yeah. uh, Dungeon World for the rules. Never never planned to play. I have uh, Dungeon World as well on PDF. Uh, I bought it through one, like a humble bundle or something like that. Or zero uh, plans to ever play that game. Just enjoyed reading it. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I like all that. Uh, I I do buy RPGs sometimes just to read about the systems. Um, those aren't usually like immediate, like, okay, I'm going to go out and buy that like right away, but it is kind of in the back of my mind going, oh, you know what? This is a new system. I should probably learn about, you know, how, how it all kind of works and how it kind of works kind of tied to that. And this will probably be a unpopular opinion between oh. you and, and Jason, Doug, mm -hmm. but, um, a game is a, at least a must try. I don't know if it's a must play and it's definitely not a must buy, but a must try is when a game has a proprietary dice system. I want to see what you are doing that makes you feel like you need proprietary dice. I will see, try you out if you see, have a dice system. And, and, and on my end, and I don't know about Jason, but on my end, if your system has proprietary dice, that's an immediate turnoff for me. Like that, that's like, oh, uh, I want to see what you're doing. Well, I, I, oh, yeah. may I not do want to see what you're doing. It may not be necessary, but I want to see it. Oh, the absolutely. only proprietary dice system I've ever enjoyed is uh, Dragon Dice. The uh, right. game where literally all you do is use, use proprietary you dice. dice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You roll dice. That, I'm okay with proprietary dice for that. I don't have a problem with that. But it just it irritates me when the dice that come with your game are absolutely useless outside of your game. That bugs me. I don't know why it just really does. Yeah, because I like I, dice. I guess that's probably it. I like dice. <laughs> <laughs> or if 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 your system doesn't at least let you convert your polyhedral dice to easy easy enough to 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 be able to just pick up your system. If, if there's a legit mm -hmm. use for your proprietary dice, right. I think that's fine. Um, I don't have a big issue if you want to have a D14 or whatever the heck or a D30 or, um, you know, a D8 that has nothing but symbols on it for rolls. I don't have a problem with that as long as it's legitimate and not just a gimmick mechanic. Right. Like the whole, uh, the, the, is it fate that does the positive minus dice? Yes. Yes. I don't see the point of that at all. I can do that with a D6. I don't like, I, I mean, and, and you can you can convert those die. You can convert your d6s to yeah, but I can't minuses. use it. Like positive minus is yes or no. That's a coin flip. Sure. Like, uh, 
Let's see here. Uh, Algash says, I really want to play Dungeon Crawl Classics, but I'm not a bit. I'm not big on the weird <laughs> dice. Yeah, that is one of those systems that has the really funky the, dice. And the D three is really weird. <laughs> that's that's exactly why I've I haven't really uh, picked it up as well. I, I I think that that's that's awesome. Yeah, the, we just you know, uh, we're, we're pretty similar in that aspect. We don't sell a ton of DCC in the shop, but I always make sure I have at least one set cool. of the DCC dice. Because when people look at it and they go, D26? What's that? I'm like, well, it's that one. Yeah, it's that one. And people go, oh. Like, I've had people that haven't bought any other DCC stuff, but they will buy the DCC set just because it's got other different random dice in it. Mm Mm-hmm. And they'll find a way to use it in their sure. in in their other games. Well, I mean, there's no reason why you can't have a one to twenty six table. Why not? Yeah. It's easy. It's easy enough to do. Exactly. Just, I I wouldn't buy the dice on purpose. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Right. And that if I guess it also would change if I had a group already. Like if I went to a new place or whatever, and they had there was a group that only played DCC, and they had a really great campaign going, I'd buy into that, and I probably wouldn't end up getting the dice. But left to my own, like if I'm picking up a new game and it has nothing but proprietary dice, it's unless they come with the game automatically, I'm not going to go look for them. I'm going to find a way to use my own. Because it's just an added expense. Patty says, uh, stars without numbers I got for the rules. That's another one that that I picked up on PDF uh, through... uh bundle of holding that uh yeah i i picked it up because because of the rules i yeah. wanted to read it see, numbers see what cool it was. Game, yeah. uh cal says uh, i bought dune for the setting i actually so here's the thing like i am not usually a big fan of the 2d20 but i really liked that with the dune set with the dune uh, rpg i thought it, it, it did pretty well um yeah, as, I, I, as they've done releases for 2D20, they've gotten steadily better. Yeah, it seems like over the years you've gotten more and more people that, yeah. that have kind of you know honed their 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 designing power, you know designing skill with that. Uh, a couple system, of the guys so. I talked to that play Conan have actually adopted a lot of the Dune mechanics. Oh, really? Well, that's and backwards neat to hear. and made and brought them backwards into Conan because it yeah. was one of the original 2D20 games. Uh, actually, I think it was uh, Thursday night uh, at uh, at Gamma Expo. I sat down with Chris Birch. Uh, actually, Ben, you, you were there too, and uh, yeah. I, I said, uh, Chris, I, I want to tell you that uh, I really enjoy uh, Dune. I think it's a great, uh, a great book. And uh, that man has you know, almost I'm, as my money as as uh, Free League. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I told him I, I think you're going to have quite the quite the success if you haven't already. I'm pretty sure you, you probably already have, but uh, you know, I I, I think that that's going to be a really really great line and I, I hope they have quite the I hope they have the license for quite some time even until the uh, next movie comes out or you know, hopefully have it for quite a few years because I would love to see more and more releases on it because you know I, I will say if, if you're not a huge fan of the 2d20 system give it a shot and see if you like it because uh, I think I think dune does it pretty it's well. yeah it does it really well and 2d20 is actually kind of fun to roll around with sure um yeah, let's let's get to. We've talked a little bit about uh, RPGs. Is there anything else about RPGs that, that we, uh, the quality of the book? That's another thing that. that oh yeah, that, that's that sucks huge. Me in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember the old, I, the old in, in the olden days of of AD and D. I bought a copy of the Unearthed Arcana, and I was so excited. And I got it home, and I started reading it, and I opened up the book, and I heard this snap. And I was like, "Uh oh, and instantly all of the glue on the binding was gone. Every single spot where, and the whole book just went like this, like it's perfectly flat. And then it went 
down like an yeah. inch. Oh. <laughs> I was so heartbroken. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough, uh, and, and especially with this day and age with the, the paper shortage and printing issues, you know, it's hard. It's hard to find a really great, uh, a great manufacturer of books, so. Uh, let's see here. Brian just said, uh, just received Coyote and Crow and it's beautiful. Yes. Yeah, I hear that that's really good. That's one of those books that uh, I kind of passed on during the Kickstarter and uh, I'll probably pick up a copy of it uh, and, and just kind of give it a read through and, and, and see what that's, uh, that's all about. So I ended up backing it when it was on Kickstarter, oh, um, but I backed it at the level where I basically pay for a book and they donate it to a reservations library. Oh, nice. So but after seeing it at Gamma, I'm like, <laughs> can I get my book back? No, no, I'm kidding. But like, I'm happy. I'm happy to get one when it when it comes out to retail. But I'm like, wow, like this is this is really cool. Yeah. This is it was a really really good book. It's big. It's graphically very good. Um, it did tick all those boxes. Yeah, no, I, I, as I see it, uh, you know, and it did very, very well on Kickstarter as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's no surprise that they, they put out a quality product. And that that's definitely one that I, you know, whenever I do my, my RPGs of the year, uh, that probably is one that's going to have to probably come into consideration. So I, I should probably go out and get a, get a copy of that just to just so then that way I can make sure that it, it does belong. It actually absolutely belongs on that, uh, that top 10 list. Uh, James says, haha, the binding snap of the old AD&D books. Good times. Good times. That glue was either, it was, that glue was either immortal and it's probably <laughs> still good to this day, or it was so brittle that you could look at it and it would crack. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think that, that kind of covers uh, my must-haves or must-buys for RPGs. Uh, I, I think we've kind of uh, talking about talked about that enough. Um, but yeah, let me know in the comments uh, if we missed anything. Is or let us know what uh, what what aspects of uh, of RPG books uh, make them, you know, must must haves or must buys. Does does publisher have anything? That's one thing that that we'll talk about with board games. Do publishers have any any kind yes. of pull? I mean, we just heard we just heard yeah. uh, Jason say that, that Modiphius gets uh, most of his uh, his funds out uh, of his a lot. Wallet. Not, I mean, there's some games that Modiphius plays that I think are complete, bleh, but uh, that's just my personal taste. I will it's say just, that, that Jason's uh, views are not the views of the he had a good cast. And if large. I look at if I look at a game like if Modiphius releases a game, I will have a look at it. Oh, I do too. They they have my attention for that. They've done enough quality for me and enough good games that I'm like, okay, I'll have I'll have a peek at it. Whether or not it's any good, I mean, I might just read the splash page and then walk away. But I will always look. Yeah, that's kind of the way I am too. You know, there's certain there's certain publishers out there, and this goes for board games, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, that when they make an announcement or they, they they put a new product out or put some details out, like I'll, I'll I'll read into it and just see, hey, you know, this might not totally be my jam, but let me read into it and maybe I'll get more interested into it. Um, or maybe it is something that I'll just be like, yeah, okay, just take my money right now. <laughs> <laughs> ben, how about you with the, with RPG uh, publishers? Are there is there is that uh, a drawing factor at all for? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like the the shill that I am, but when Free League announces a, a project, I'm I'm usually looking at it very closely uh, for many of the factors we've talked about. So you know quality of the book quality of the system quality of the art um 
other companies that that really have grabbed my attention lately um honestly i'm looking at a lot more and i'm not necessarily looking at publishers with rpgs anymore um i think i think rpgs are in a state right now and i this is me putting on my my retailer hat that you can't be committed to just a single company because there is too much stuff going out. Oh, there, there. is. Oh, yeah. That's um, another reason why we want to kind of have this episode is because how do you, yeah. how do you dif differentiate uh, all the yeah. stuff that's coming out? Um, and and I, this is personal preference as a retailer. When I see a game, uh, a board game publisher going to Kickstarter, I roll my eyes. But when I see an RPG publisher going to Kickstarter, especially because you can be a smaller company and do RPGs, I don't mind it as much. So, like, keep one of your ears to Kickstarter if you're really into RPGs, which I know a lot of us here and a lot of the community here at BCG uh, are. So. Yeah, it, it's nothing, especially for for indie, uh, for like really really indie RPGs. Uh, you know, to sell over you know five hundred copies is is you know you're on the the, the plus side. Uh, you you're know, on for, cloud nine is a yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, but even still, even still, when 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 a, a Kickstarter does five thousand, six thousand backers, you know, and, and you sell five six thousand, you know, copies of a of an RPG book, that's not really all that much mm -hmm. um, in the in the grand scheme scheme of things. So like there is a reason why RPG publishers tend to go go to Kickstarter right away, just because you know there a you're 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 gauging your audience and you're kind of getting it an estimate as to how much you need to to order right out of the gate. And B, you know, to get well, you, a you minimum print run much, yeah. down, you know. That's pretty much it. Like you, yeah. you know in order to keep your costs at a certain level, the only way you're going to manage that is if you can sell X amount of copies so that your, your printer will say, Hey, I will get, we'll cut you this bulk rate deal. Otherwise it becomes cost prohibitive mm -hmm. and your book price shoots through the roof and no one buys it. And, and this is again, another reason why a lot of board game manufacturers or publishers go to Kickstarter. But again, you, you're getting research. You're getting research kind of, for for your community. I'm kind of in the same camp as Ben with that. I don't think they need board game people. Don't need to be well, doing that. I They've think got I th all the infrastructure already. See, I I, I kind of tend to disagree in, in some aspects. It depends. Like I I know publishers use Kickstarter to see if there's a market and go, oh okay, evidently there's anywhere between five and ten thousand people that are interested in this game. Okay, yeah, we might want to put somebody on this line later on down the road to put more expansions out. If it only gets like a thousand people or two thousand people to, to back, even though it funds, okay, well, we know that this is probably just going to be a one one shot product. I mean, I, that's how I would look at I it mean, if I were a publisher. Yes, but you can you can tell that roughly by what your your distributors and your direct sales to retailers do as well well uh, yes yeah yes. you totally could you totally not, could Doug. not on a new game though right yeah sure. for sure yeah what did we do before kickstarter we there was a lot of games that were put out that kind of just sat on shelves and like there was a lot of companies that lost we're, money we're, but any more than now like 
I, I don't think it's all that different. I think board game is using uh, this is a whole other episode we could get into. Yeah, yeah, we can we can uh, say this. For but now. I think board games use Kickstarter as a pre-order system and a and an advertising ven venue. Oh, absolutely. I'm not going to say that. I don't. Not, I don't think not. they're. I don't think they're judging whether they're or not, not a game line is going to take yeah. off. It's not about the success. It's about the advertising of possibilities that Kickstarter provides. I don't. Mm. Cause, I, I'm, cause, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna respectfully disagree to some some extent with this. <laughs> Fair. I'll let it go. Anyway, let's let's talk a little bit about board games now because board games you all know I'm looking at a whole bunch of piles of you know unpainted plastic uh, all over me, uh, <laughs> all over my uh, desk here uh, and in the studio, uh, aka my dining room. Uh, let's talk about board games because board games, I feel like I'm extremely picky on now, like RPGs. I'm, I'm, I've kind of toned it, you know, I've kind of pulled back and not backed every single, you know, RPG that, that, that hits Kickstarter with, with board games. I'm ex more particular with, with, uh, especially in these last probably two years. Um, Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about. Let's go right back to what we were talking about before. Let's talk about theme. Is there any type of art, board game theme that 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 just automatically gets your interest? Um, I, I it might be similar as, as the RPGs as well. But is there anything that that you're like, oh, well, this is kind of neat. I would definitely, you know, be interested in this for a board game. I like crawls. Yeah. Yeah, I like dungeon crawls. Yeah, I do too. That's more than more than tactical combat games. I like I like crawls. I just want to adventure around through your spaceship or your dungeon or your castle or whatever. See, this is this is where my fantasy RPG and my <laughs> board game uh, interests kind of are, are on opposite ends of the spectrum. Like fantasy RPG, yeah, it's kind of neat. You know, it's all right. It's got to be a particular particular flavor of, of fantasy RPG. You give me a dungeon fantasy dungeon crawl, I'm I'm interested. Like we, I was looking at the the uh, what's what's the RPG the the uh, the the dungeon crawler that's coming out by uh, by Steamforge Games that we saw at Gamma Expo uh, Bard Song. Bard Song wasn't, that, yeah. wasn't that called Bard Song? Yep, Bard Song. Um, you know, I even though I've got thirty thousand. You know, different RPG, you know, dungeon crawls, whether they're sci-fi or, or, or fantasy based. Like, I saw that on the table, and I'm like, "Oh, this. Let let me take a look at this. Let's see what this is all about." Because it kind of piqued my interest because it's plastic, and I could not have been more turned off by that game. I know, and that's <laughs> what you said while, at we were, while we were looking at like, it. I looked at it, and it looked boring, and and everyone was loving it. People yeah. were having a blast looking at the players reactions and my initial visceral reaction to the board which was just very big and open and sparse i'm just like how are they having fun but they were they were <laughs> loving it so it was good Ben's lifting up pieces on the board where is the fun under here so I'll, I'll be honest like i earlier today i was like oh yeah i remember this game from from gamex well let me research it see what see what it's all about Kind of see what when it's going to hit retail, when what the price point is, and 
immediately I, I kind of made a judgment call as to whether or not I want to I want to invest in this because you know a I can tell you right now the biggest thing for me was was the price point the price point for for Bard Song or Bard Song I guess what it's called uh, two hundred bucks right out of the gate for a big box uh, you know dungeon crawl and I've got a lot of dungeon crawls that you know I don't that, that cost less that. I don't know if I'm going to get 200, you know, dollars worth of play out of out of that box. So that's a lot easier to gauge when you're talking about a board game too. Like if you if you break it down, like say it's $200 game, okay, so let's let's value your time at the same rate as you value a movie. You know, you're willing to pay 15 bucks for a movie ticket for 2 hours entertainment. Yep. So you you put that into your board game. You need to play that game like what 13 times? at two hours a pop to get your money's worth out of it. Like if I, a lot of, like I have a lot of, well, not a lot of board games. I have like six board games that I play regularly. And if I add another one to it, that's a tough ask to get me to play that game enough times, especially at that price point. Sure. Ben, what about you? Is, is there a certain theme that, uh, so, so looking at my board game collection, um, Mm -hmm. theme doesn't matter for me okay uh, mechanics are more important to me than than a theme okay. uh, or a broad genre um i've got card games i've got miniature games i've got you know chit games i i i've got a little of everything when it comes to to a theme uh, i've got fantasy settings i've got you know wingspan which doug says doesn't have a theme the, the um, most unthematic game of all time but i will tell you that the the, the Wingspan is, and as much as I like to pick on Wingspan about being unthematic, I'm just trying trolling everybody more than anything else. So don't don't flame the comments with the, with the, with, with that. But please flame the comments. I would love that if people were to flame the comments. That would be super. I I, I mostly say that just to get people riled up. But Wingspan is is a mechanic mechanic wise, like mechanically, that game is just really really well done so yes i i will definitely say that uh, that's true that that's definitely a big thing actually mechanic like if your game is mechanically clunky that's an instant turnoff it doesn't matter how good your theme is at that point if your game is just like chunky and tough to figure out and you're consulting the rules every five seconds that's not a good game yeah uh, Patty says, "For me, it's mostly mechanics, but I like Euro style board games. I'm not a big Euro Euro uh, board gamer, to be honest with you. I, I like the uh, uh, I, I like having, you know, dice and you know, combat Stuff. and I, just you know, dudes on I, yeah. I like a good Euro, but I want that Euro to have a little bit of a twist." Like, I just don't want it to be take an action, score victory points. Whoever has the most points is the winner. Give me something that just tweaks it a little bit. And if you can give that to me, I'll play a Euro all day long if there's something interesting about it. But if I'm just move, move my score marker, trade in some cards, move my score marker, I'm probably going to lose interest pretty quick on it. But if you make something interesting, like... um, I actually really like Rondell mechanics okay. in yeah, in, uh, in Euros. If you've limited my options somehow, 
So I can't always make the most precise, the most you know mathematically yeah. correct. Yep. Uh, yeah. I, I'm much more inclined to 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 play your Euro game. I yeah. love so I've noticed there are certain things that I I love randomness in my board games or things that I'm not going to expect, you know, but I don't like a lot. Like it's got to have that certain Just degree of, of randomness in order for me to be interested. If you have too much randomness, then I'm just like, okay, this is just a dice checker. And like, there's no, like, there's, there's no like, point to making decisions right. if you're just going to be completely exactly. And I, and that, and that is a hard balance to find that there, there's that is, yeah. that is tough to, to, to gauge. It's tough to put a lot of dice into a game and still have it be fun. Yep. Like if you're if you if you're rolling like five six dice at a time, the amount of randomness that comes with rolling five six dice at a time really makes it difficult for your strategy and even honestly, um, your character to be really important. Like if you have a a fighter who has a, a stat of six in strength or whatever, and you roll and you roll sixty six and everybody else rolls sixty six, it doesn't matter if the fighter's sword does, you know, eight points of damage. If he rolls all ones and then your wizard with a dagger doing d4 rolls all sixes your fighter seems absolutely pointless at that <laughs> stage you know like i don't like that much swing in my games that's too much <laughs> the the other thing that that i love that that i look for mechanically with a board game is a board game that doesn't on that, that doesn't have an easy runaway leader like when I can, when when I'm playing a board game and you know two rounds in, I already feel like I'm way way behind, and there's just no way. You know, you, you've got to play eight rounds, and already two two rounds behind, you're you're just like, there's no way I'm gonna catch up. Like that's just not fun. Um, you're again, Wings, Wingspan <laughs> does a good job of of this. I feel like I never feel like I'm like too far behind, even though I might be in in like lowering the the, uh, the the scoring i never feel like i'm totally behind that You're i can always use the next yeah. yeah i can use the next round to kind of to, to to my advantage um mm. if if i play it right um so again as much as i love See, to give you know wingspan yeah. a lot of crap about uh, you know not being thematic um it is a really really good board game. that's one of the things that i actually liked about stuff like ticket to ride actually like you, you drew your routes and you you keep them by and large secret. Like some people play open, which is weird, but uh, you can you can have a good time putting your trains down fairly quickly. And at the end of the game, the game can swing wildly based on who actually got their routes done. Like if you you can have a mm-hmm. lot of really weird looking short routes everywhere. It doesn't look like much of anything, but that it turns out that you've filled three short routes and those were your routes to fill in the game it bumps your victory points pretty considerably. So it may seem like you're not doing well, but at the end of the game, you're actually right in the middle of it or right in the thick of it to, for, for the win. Games where you very quickly can determine whether or not you're going to be in the bottom, It those games lose me very quickly, mm-hmm. especially if they're swingy-based mechanics. If it's yeah. poor decision-making on my part, by all means, I should lose. Um, but if it's a case of, you know, this guy played three rounds and did fabulously well for reasons of game random game mechanic that's eh, that's tough that's tough to swallow and want to play again anyway one thing that that i know for me 
in my situation in in my household and everything one thing that i know is an automatic like okay this isn't going to work in in my collection i'll wait until i can play it with somebody else but i'm probably not going to to buy it uh just because i don't have anybody else to play it with uh is player count if a game has three to five player or three to six players, whatever. If you have to have a minimum of three players, more than likely I'm going to have to pass on your game because I don't really have three players in this household to, to play games. Or uh, Usually I don't have three players, you know, that, that want to play a game. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Is, is player count anything that uh, anybody keeps? Uh, does that deter anybody from, from picking up a game or wanting to play a game? Uh, you can let us know in the comments as well if, if uh, player count is, is, is an issue. Ben, Jason, how about you? No, Jason, no, no, yes. Oh, let, let Ben go. Actually, he probably has more interesting things. Uh, I'm actually going to throw it back to you, Jason, because oh. I'm going to spin <laughs> off on a slightly little bit of a tangent on player count. So. Okay, okay, okay All right. sure. So, um, it influences whether or not I buy a game initially. Um, I've seen like what I'll when I plan to buy a board game, I go out and I do a little bit of research and I look at the minimum player and the maximum player. And what is involved in those? Like, if I have to go through a game that's say two to six players, and if you want to play with two players, you need to remove the following from the game in order to make it feasible. I'm out. If I have to, if I have to handicap the game in order to play it with two people, I don't care about your game. You can keep your game. Um, I want to play the game as it was intended to be played. So if your game isn't designed to function with two players, I'm not interested. Um, by the same token. I have looked at a lot of games that I would absolutely love to play that are four or more players. Um, I tend to be very leery of buying those though, because if you, if you're looking outside your family and immediate friends, it's tough to sometimes get those to the table because not like I love board games. I would happily play a board game every night for the rest of my life. I don't have a problem with that, but there's lots of my friends who are just like, oh, God, you want to play board games? No, dude, I'm, I'm not interested in coming over. And that's fine. I mean, they don't have right. to want to play board games all the time. But if that's going to be the case, it's going to limit whether or not I want to buy your game. But like I've I do I do my due diligence when it comes to that. Like if if I if I look at a game and it's 2 to 4 players or 2 to 5 players or whatever, I'll look at some people's reviews of it and say, "Hey, I played this game with two people and it's cool, but it's better with more people." That's a big strike. Sure. Not not sure. not a not a not not a don't buy my game strike, but it is a big strike. If if I don't want to pick up this game and have a half ass experience, right? I want to have a full ass experience. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, like it's it's an influencer for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ben, what what about uh, your ass of uh, games? My my, my ass. Is, is, yeah, how how, uh... how many asses do you need, Ben? So, so Jason actually touched a little bit about uh, on my tangent. I want scalability. Yes, on absolutely. player counts. Um, I want a game that plays just as good at two as it does at five. Yes. Um, and whether and but where I differ a little bit from from Jason is I'm okay with them making some changes to the game i don't want them to take out entire mechanics yes but uh games like small world where you have different boards for each player count so that the game always feels tight and engaging works really well mm -hmm. um yeah. that's actually one of my draw uh drawbacks uh with scythe actually is if you play with two players unless you pick one of the two starting factions that are right next to each other 
you spend a lot of the game just not interacting with the the other player at all because you're on opposite sides of the map. Um, and like I said, Small World kind of fix that by having different maps for each player count. Um, uh, Lords of Waterdeep is another one that scales beautifully between different player counts. The, the fewer players, the more actions you get to take in a round so that the board always feels tight. You're always competing over resources, no matter how many players are at the table. And that's that's good design. And if I see that in your rules, I'm much more likely to play it than if it's just like, you know, well, if it's two or, or, or six players, it, it plays exactly the same. I'm like, does it? Does it, though? That's that's always my question. Like, Does it really? Now, like, now be here's honest. A, here's a question for you, and this kind of goes along the whole scalability uh, you know, aspect. If a game has a solo mode, does that factor in your decision to pick it up? Yes. Does it? That, that I so it does with me. I'll tell. I, be honest. Yeah, because I my I I am very interested in solo games um, because I you know if I'm by myself at home, uh, my wife is not a big board gamer. She'll play a few games with me here and there, but um, not anywhere near the level I am. But if I can set up a game and play through it, whether it's with a, a, a an artificial intelligence deck or if it is actually designed as a solo game, uh, definitely a plus column for me. Sure. I like games that have solo options. Like that's the reason why I got so much into the Arkham uh, card game. Actually, being able to just sit down and play that game and just like that's that's an example of a good game that actually scales very well. You remove a few cards from the overall deck when you're playing solo. But it doesn't feel like it's handicapping the game or removing any of the enjoyment of the story. Like you still get the exact same story, actually. Um, you just have less to work with because mm-hmm. having it, it bogs the game down if you have too much to work with. Um, but that's a like solo play games are it's a it has to be baked in. That's the only thing. Can't be tacked on. Like a lot of people have come up with ways to play a lot of games solo. Like I've seen people play Axis and Allies solo. I don't understand how that is possibly fun, <laughs> but without a computer involved anyway. But um, yeah, like it has to be baked into the mechanics. You can't just attach it at the end. Like we, we spoke about this during Kickstarters at one point, like mm-hmm. as, a, as a stretch goal, don't at like, just because you're, you're doing very well, don't slap on at the very end of your Kickstarter. Hey, we'll make a solo mode. Yeah, because if, if, if you're gonna rush that and it's not gonna be good, don't even try it. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, James says uh, a year ago I played a different solo game every day for the month of March. Wow, that's pretty cool. Oh, wow, that's, that's impressive. Uh, I don't even think yeah. I have enough solo games to 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 do that every day in March. Uh, and uh, so far, says, my favorite solo game is uh, is Dungeon Crawls. Just yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> definitely. Uh, Basically, almost any co-op game you can kind of play solo, which is which is nice. A lot of them, yeah. Yeah, uh, Alias says uh, solo is becoming more important to me for RPGs. I, I doubt I'd solo a board game. Um, I think I'm the other way around. I I, I kind of like the the um, the social aspect of RPGs, and like I don't know how much. I mean, I I grew up on game books. You know, in the Choose Your Adventure books and, and all that uh, growing up, because that was kind of the one thing that I, I had available to me. Um, so I, I do get the appeal of playing uh, an, an RPG uh, solo, but I, 
for me personally, I kind of like the, the whole social interaction of, of, uh, of playing an RPG. Um, so it does kind of, I, I do understand that. And, and there are some great, great products out there that, uh, and some great RPGs that put out uh, great solo modes as well. Um, so I, I totally, I can understand that. I, I'm kind of, I lean towards the, the other way though. I end up making a story for myself when I play solo. Um, do you? Like, like the dungeon crawls, the solo dungeon crawls where you pick like a couple mm-hmm. of characters to play through. I yeah. end up halfway doing like, I, I, as I, as combats happen and wounds get taken and items get lost and things get broken, I'm running a storyline for that in my head. Like it's not super detailed by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm imagining the situation and it's sort of, for me, it's the same thing as theater of the mind in a role-playing game. Sure. Uh, let's see here. Let's talk a little bit about, we've talked about uh, player count, mechanics a little bit. Let's talk about quality of components. Does that have any factor in whether or not you're interested in a board game? Yes. It is. I played yeah. the old Avalon Hill games, which was all cardboard chits. I am huge on quality of components. Yeah, I, I am too. It, I will never again open one of those games. Oh. You know, not only just the quality of components, but the packaging. If I can use the packaging over and over again for storage, like you better yeah. believe that like that's a big selling point for me. That's for, a huge selling for, point. Uh, you know, for an RPG. Like there's such yeah. a big aftermarket for for box organizers for things like yeah. Gloomhaven and the bigger games like that. But, and it's cool. It's it's great that a company came out and said, "Hey, you know what? You need to organize all these fiddly bits, and we're going to make you a box that you can do that with." That's great. But honestly, as a manufacturer, you should be looking at that because you know people aren't going to play your game one time. They're going to want to play it again. And if you open a box and it looks like Barney's Lego box, <laughs> you're never going to play the oh, game because you're going to spend two hours. That like that. You're going to yeah. spend two hours sorting out the components, mm-hmm. and that's no fun at all. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to definitely get it to the table a lot more. I've, uh, I've actually gone to play a game once before. I drop it as I was going to the table, and I put it back on the shelf. So I was like, I know what the inside of that box looks like now. I'm not even opening that. <laughs> ben, what what about you? Do you have uh, anything to add about uh, quality components? Yeah, or? I mean, obviously, um, the better the quality of components a game has, usually the higher the cost is. So yeah. we'll realize I realize there's definitely a, 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 a correlation there. But if... Um, I'm not even going to go for like the physical quality, but if your game looks visually cheap, underproduced, or dare I say bland, I'm I'm going to keep on walking. Yep. And like, yeah. and I've I I I admit, and I'll I will go on record for this. There were a couple of games that I saw at Gamma that I looked at the board and I kept walking. I'm not going to name them because I, they were in early production. So like, yeah, that's kind of hard. So to like, do. but like, it wasn't to a point where I was interested in looking at the game yet. And if yeah. your final version doesn't improve from that, I'm going to keep walking too. Um, so it, yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. quality of the visuals, the table presence, if you will, is super huge for me. They say you only get one chance to make a first impression. It's true. It's true. I've seen lots of games that look s- astonishing on the tabletop. 
Um, and they instantly grab my eye. I don't always end up getting them just for the simple fact that a lot of the time when they look astonishing, the price tag is equally as astonishing. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about that because that was my next uh, my next point was does price point ever deter your uh, your, your purchasing or, or does it uh, you know is that is that something? Because yeah. I'll tell you with, with me it, it was with uh, that Steam Forge game, uh, and yeah, I. I you know, it's funny because I think I think Ben, you and I had this conversation a, a little while ago about how, what was it like, six years ago, like Asmodee had like this big thing about the Conan board game where like mm-hmm. it was over a hundred dollar p- price point or it was a hundred dollar p- price point. I think it and retailed for a hundred right, it re- and twenty. Right, so out. that was six like the ago. first board game that kind of crossed that hundred dollar threshold. And now, with everything the way that it is, and with inflation and everything, I, I'm kind of curious what everybody's cap is for like a price point. Uh, so yeah, let, let us know in the comments. And, and, and guys, what what is your what is what is your uh, kind of your cap for uh, for a board game? It depends on what point. you get. Really, I mean, yeah. If I'm gonna get but... if I'm getting if I'm getting like a two foot by two foot game board and twelve minis, um, and a handful of dice, and you're gonna charge me one hundred and fifteen dollars, I'm walking away. Mm-hmm. Um, just because there's not a I, even if it's a genre that I'm absolutely in love with, um, I'm just not interested in the, laying out that kind of cash for something where I'm not getting what I feel like is what my is the worth of the dollar is honestly. Like there's other games that you can get for better than that price that are I can't say they're going to be better because it could be a completely different game but I would look elsewhere for sure. Sure. Ben what what's uh what's kind of your uh, your ceiling on a price point for for a board game? So my ceiling and what gets me excited are two very different things. All right, all right, all right. Uh, <laughs> um, if you have a $40 price tag on your game, I am looking at it. That's really? my sweet spot. No matter what? Bucks, no matter what. Really? you got a $40 price point on that, I am looking at your game. And this is partly me as a gamer and me as a retailer. Okay. Because $40 is a super easy sell on a board game. Sure. Higher than that. You got to be bringing something to the table. Um, my personal ceiling is I'm looking at probably about 80, 80 bucks. If yeah, I'm that... gonna, um, and that's and honestly, that's that's where we're trending as uh, as board games. Uh, we're trending upwards to that amount. Um, I would say the average board game nowadays probably costs 60 to 65, and that is just going to continue to go up so. You know, yeah, um, the days of 40 is long gone yeah. but man <laughs> which is why if you're there if you're at that price point i'm paying attention to you because either sure. you're doing something really right or uh i need to know not to carry that game in the whole price point thing uh we'll, we'll talk about it in just a second uh, uh there's there's something i, I want to add here as well brian this is 50 to 75 dollars is, is the, the the kind of the price range i feel like that's about the range where i I'll, I'll be interested in a board game and then um you know if, if if it's a dungeon crawl with a lot of content or everything i can top out for about a hundred bucks like but that's pushing it i don't usually do that very often but if you've got a really cool 
you know, with minis and, you know, it's a theme that I like. Okay. I will probably, I will probably consider a <laughs> hundred bucks at that price. It would have to be something that really oh, yeah. pushes my buttons. Like it's, it's, it, it's gotta be like, something that I don't already have. Like it can't they, just be like a, you know, if they another came out with a, like I have yeah. already. if they came out with a hundred dollar version, like a deluxe version of a game that I love that was already in existence that combined a lot of like, say like combined all the existing sets or whatever into a single box. I would certainly be interested in something like that, but that's a big ask. Like I wouldn't buy that site unseen. Like if I walked into a game store and I saw a hundred dollar game on the, on the shelf and it was Call of right. Cthulhu or something. Oh, I'd I would like, do my research. I, on it for I sure. would have my eyeballs on that thing. Like glue. Like I wouldn't walk away from that for the whole time I was in the store, but I would also be on my damn cell phone googling every review that i could possibly find about that game because there's no way i'm going to shell out that kind of money just hey this is a cool ip i like i'm going to drop a hundred dollars and hope to heck that this is a decent thing and, and i'll give you an example of a, of a, of a game that I, I did exactly that on uh it's core core space by battle systems uh this is a game that is it's kind of hard to get here in the states but you can order it online and uh it, it and, and you can check your friendly local game stores to, to, to have them bring it in. Core Space is, I think it's supposed to have like a, an MSRP of around a little over a hundred bucks. If you, if you scrounge the internet, you can usually get it for, you can, you can find it on, on a deal for like a hundred bucks, but it means eBay. Well, no, just uh, sometimes on, on, on various, you know, websites or, or sometimes or in Black you know, Moon's games discount bin. <laughs> it, it's a great, sci-fi dungeon game gunman crawl and it's got all this terrain so i can use that terrain for other things you know i i i felt like i was getting a lot of value with it with that hundred dollars and the minis are good you can i can play it solo it's almost like playing a, a sci-fi rpg on my table so like that was that was kind of where i topped out at a hundred bucks um but yeah that's that's the rare instance that's 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 pushing it um, usually anywhere between that 50 and, and like what Brian says, the 50 and $80 range is, is so I'll, I'll consider it. I'll, I'll, I'll look into it a little bit more. So with, with price point, let's talk about the elephant in the room because yeah. I recently had, uh, come across my Facebook memories, uh, me talking about getting my, uh, rising sun pledge from <laughs> Kickstarter. That that, um, whole, that that U-Haul that, truck that just that U-Haul yeah. truck that showed up yeah. um, has Rising Sun painted on the side, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, I did. I I backed at the highest level for for Rising Sun. Uh, I got everything that they they released for it. Um, yeah, I have not played that game enough to warrant that pledge level. And right, uh, that's that's something we we all like players publishers. Uh, manufacturers all need to be aware of um, that. Yes, there's a demand for these uh, these high level uh, board games. I mean, we recently saw uh, come on with their Marvel uh, zombies. Oh my god! Zombies. Don't even get me started with that one. Destroy the 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 market with four hundred and fifty dollar plus yeah. uh, on there. Um, where 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 do we where do we where do we buy games? with the intent to play them versus buying games with the intent to collect them, I guess yep. is a decision that we have to ask ourselves. Uh, Cal says, uh, 
I just picked up Aliens: Another Glorious Day in the Core, which is good because I think that 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 game has uh, is now out of print. Uh, mm-hmm. Gale Force Nine has stopped uh, manufacturing that game and, and its expansions. Price was high, but I can use the minis in my RPG setting t- as well. I totally agree. If you can find multiple use for components in a board game, that does. I, I don't know if it justifies paying, you know, that that higher price point or pay, paying that, but I feel that like you have more reason to. Okay, mm-hmm. yep. I'm going to pay, you know, $110. I forget what all the component, the uh, expansions are. I think there's a couple expansions, which, yeah. again, I, I have a copy of an, Another Glorious Day in the Core. I feel like the components for what I paid, I feel like I got a better better value with Awakened Realms and Nemesis. You know, I, I feel like those those components are, are much better. You know, I will probably use my Nemesis uh, uh, minis more than I will the uh, the actual aliens uh, minis from from another glorious day in the core, um, but yes, I, I bought the same thing. I I, I I don't think I bought any. I didn't buy any of the expansions, but I bought the base game with the intention that okay, yeah, I'm going to use these minis for uh, for uh, you know playing the alien RPG, and it just didn't really, you know, they're okay, they're they're good. I, I, you have to piece them wow. together. <laughs> Ringing endorsement. They're I'm okay, just saying, like you know, I, good. <laughs> I I, it, I played the game once, and I was like, okay, yeah, it doesn't really. I, I I'd rather play something like like Nemesis a little bit more, you know, uh, just just because I I thought that anyway. That's to that's, be fair to every other game out there. Doug really likes Nemesis. I do like Nemesis. <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. I actually really like the Nemesis Lockdown. I think that's an even better version of Nemesis. But that's beside the point. Anyway, <laughs> basically, I, what I, Doug's I do, saying is, I, if you I make a like, Nemesis game, he will play it. He will yeah. buy it, even if it's a hundred dollars or more. Uh, it wasn't over a hundred dollar game. That, that's definitely oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I looked at it myself. So here's here's one thing that that just speaking of price point. Uh, oh, also, uh, Van Beast is correct. I should that? probably specify if I'm talking about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred dollars US yeah. is is what we're we're talking about. Hundred. I don't know what it's like. Three thousand dollars in Canada, I think, at this point. Practically at this point, the exchange rate is about that bad right now. I think it's twenty eight cents on the dollar at the moment, Yikes. or something. Yikes! I literally don't buy anything if it comes from the United States anymore. So, while we were at Gamma Expo, speaking of price point, while we were at Gamma Expo, I forget what what's the, it's what the white is it white shorts that they, they came up with? who's the, who's the, uh, the, 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 uh, the bushy road is the publisher uh card fight vanguard is yeah the, the yeah bushy road came up and, and they did this presentation to retailers and, and everything and and they uh of course they're trying to get their their tcgs you know all over and into you know because everything's got to compete with magic and with with pokemon <laughs> no, and all that even, why did they say the word compete it's never happening. Well, you, you've got to <laughs> You're try trying to, to exist in a space that right. is mostly occupied by you're, a shark and a whale. <laughs> you're, you're trying. You're trying to gain a little bit more of market share. You're laying there on the bottom, hoping to heck and nobody notices you while you go about your day to day. In what was it? Card Card Fight Vanguard or something? What was it called? Is that what yeah, it was Card called? Card Fight Vanguard. Yeah. So they announced this new like series for Card Card Fight Vanguard, which is a 
TCG or something, you know, it's, that that I I know exists, but I've never played it. Or a TCG or something. That's how yeah. much Doug knows. <laughs> and it's based on an anime, which is fine. Like it's not really really my jam. But they announced a three ninety nine starter deck, three dollars and ninety nine cents. Oh, I thought you were going to say three hundred and ninety nine. No, I was about to puke. three dollars and ninety nine cent starter deck. So if you mm-hmm. want to get somebody up and running and playing with a deck. You just pay three ninety nine, and you can get them like they can just start playing. I think that that's a genius move, and even me, like I was like, oh, you know what? For like eight bucks, I'll buy two decks and just see how this card game plays because I'm kind of curious. Is because I do like you know card games every once in a while, and mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious how how they all work. For eight bucks, I would I would pick up a couple decks just to kind of like give it a shot and see how it plays. And I've done that with Magic before, just to kind of you know wet my whistle with with you know Magic mechanics and. I thought that that was a really genius move on their part to to make a three ninety nine starter deck. I don't know, Ben. We talked a little bit about this at Gamma Expo, but again, there's there's a thing where where it's like the price point is so low. Yeah, you you don't feel like okay, yeah, I could probably play this once, learn the the mechanics, and be okay with the fact that you know I, I might not pick this up again, or maybe I'll just pick this up on a rainy day or something, and and I, I'm I'm getting my value out of it. Uh, what what are your thoughts on on that low of a price point, Ben? Uh, it's it's amazing. It's great. It really? <laughs> um, but if you can do that, uh, obviously, this is designed as a loss leader. Oh, like, absolutely. Lucy Road is not to, making any money. Say, this sounds really suspicious. <laughs> They're probably losing some money on it. But that said, when you are printing large print runs of cards, cost per card gets down to fractions of a penny. So. It's it's not you know, it it's not as as ludicrous as as it may right. seem. The market has just been inflated to the point with Magic being able to basically name their price on any product yeah. that the idea of a five dollar starter deck just blows our mind. It's four dollars. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, most places have tax, but. Um, the the I will say if you are interested in gaming, um, in 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 card games, even even board games, look at starter decks for TCGs and CCGs. If you just buy a starter deck, you're going to spend on average the three ninety nine is the outlier on the low end, but on average you're going to spend fifteen to sixteen dollars for a starter deck, a pre built ready to go deck. You buy two of those, that's 30 bucks. You've got a game that will definitely keep you going for multiple playthroughs due to the nature of TCGs. Um, where TCGs get expensive is when you start buying the booster packs. But if you're just playing at home with family or you've got a group of friends where you agree we're just going to buy some starters and play, TCGs can be a super affordable game. Uh, back, uh, I guess it was... 15 years ago at this point. That's what me and we we played Magic competitively, but we didn't always want to play Magic, my group of friends. So we ended up buying some Yu-Gi-Oh! starter decks and just jamming Yu-Gi-Oh! starter decks when we wanted to have a Mm -hmm. silly fun time. Sure. And it was a nice, inexpensive way to get a different gaming experience for not a lot of money. Exactly. Exactly. I did that myself. I played um, Blood Wars, the the D&D one about the demons and whatnot. Played Rage, uh, the werewolf game. Played Vampire. Uh, played BattleTech, the card game. Like at that point in time, card games were coming out of oh, the yeah. woodwork because they it saw the crazy. success of Magic, 
and it was it was a great palate cleanser right. well i mean we no. always ended up back at magic but it was a great palate cleanser oh and the one ring yes or not the one <laughs> ring and the star wars ccg like there, there yeah. was a couple of ccgs that Lots. actually yeah like had you know a few years of really really solid run back then can literally yeah, reach, a... reach two feet to my side and have three different, <laughs> three different games. A t- a totally Tell me you work good... in a game store without working. Telling me you work in a game store. <laughs> Patty says, ah, oh, the 90s. Yeah. yeah there was, was, and a lot of those games really, like some of them were really bad, but they had cool oh, yeah, little, yeah. they had cool little entertainment value mechanics to them that made them fun. Like Rage was really not a great game, but the cards were really cool and we had a lot of fun playing it. Uh, so let's talk about playtime. Does playtime ever factor in whether or not you pick up a game? Yep. <laughs> Always. It, it, <laughs> it does sometimes with me. Uh, if, I if have. It, oh, sorry, yeah, go ahead. ahead. No, go, go ahead. Go ahead, Jason. I have a friend who uh, he's English and we play Axis and Allies once in a blue moon because I'm terrible at those kinds of games. I, I, it's, a, it's the tabletop version of an RTS game for me. I get so focused on one thing that I turn around and I'm like, hey, how come Germany's in New York? What? How, how did that happen? You know, <laughs> that's how I end up playing those games uh, when I'm playing games, stuff like Axis and Allies. Um, but the entertainment value of that game for me and where I lose all track of time is when I'm playing it. This guy is a, is a military war historian. So as we're playing the game, when he does something, I get a an interesting little anecdotal lecture just randomly as his stream of consciousness is coming out while he plays about little weird things about the war. And it's absolutely fascinating to me. So where normally I was, I would play access and allies for 15 minutes and be like, I'm going to flip this table over because if I have to move one more stupid little token, I'm going to lose my mind. Um, But playing with him, I could play for two hours easily and not miss a beat. I'd I'd look up and be like, wow, where'd the time go? I think that, that that definitely who you usually game with on a regular basis definitely determines a lot of these these things that that are you know things that we look for in, in games that uh, you know we were be, we'd be interested in playing or picking up. Um, I think that that definitely has has a huge uh, impact in in, in that. Um, you know what I wish they would do though on games like that, like when it says uh, sixty minute playtime for a single session, put in parentheses underneath. Once you've learned the rules, there's so many games that I've sat down to play with people. Um, my buddy that lives uh, down the road from me in Calgary, we picked up a couple of games. I can't remember what it was. One of the one of the um, Games Workshop uh, board game style games that they released. We were like, oh, hey, this is cool. We already know a lot about this, so we'll probably be able to pick it up really quickly. It was easily two and a half hours while we went through the rule book and fumbled rules um, around and go, went back mm-hmm. and forth. Yeah. And once we got the rules down, we played it three or four more times that weekend, and we were like snapping out games like crazy, which was great. But you need like it's nothing will turn somebody off of playing a game extensively if it takes them that long to play the first time. Like, that's not yeah. fun. I mean, it, it like again, it depends on on who you're playing with, and if you're setting out to play. You know, a game like like James here says, uh, "I've played a twelve-hour games of Axis. Uh, I've played a twelve-hour game of Axis yeah. and Allies before. I would not do that again. It was fun, though. Yes, if you're going to set aside a day or, or a weekend to play one of these massive board games, a Twilight Imperium is another one that I know that people just set aside a whole yep. weekend. They get their friends over, maybe they spend the night, and they just you need to hire a staff to play. play that game. And 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 <laughs> that's fun if you have those folks." 
But again, I don't. You're probably going to be doing that what maybe once a year. You know, that's I, also I, a very specific kind of game as well. The, exactly. The mass, those are the massive games where you take two hours just on setup before um, you even start. Ben, what what about with you uh, in, in in game length? So, I have I've gone through this whole roller coaster mm-hmm. in my gaming career of what I look for in in a in a game like right now. Um, currently, if you're at about an hour for your playtime, I'm interested. Yep, that's me because right I now. play it once in a night and feel like I got my 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 time's worth, uh, or I could play it a couple of times if I really enjoy it. Um, some games over too quick, and I definitely, um, you know, occasionally I break out that two-hour game, you know, yeah. But but over over that, and I'm probably I, I personally am going to be giving you a pass. Um, yeah, one of my yeah. one of, and it's this ties into mechanics as well. But I want your game to have a finite end. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, there are some games which can be kind of open-ended um terraforming mars is one of these that come to mind i love terraforming mars i'm a big fan of terraforming mars but you can get into a situation where no one wants to end the game and the game can literally go on pretty much forever sure. until someone finally says i'm sick of this and triggers the final end game condition give me some sort of time limit that is yep. imposed by the game and not the players um that's that's also something i look for in a game because i don't want to end up end up in a position where we're there all night um play playing the same game when a lot of the people playing it probably wished it ended an hour ago yeah and that's that's the problem especially if you're playing like a three and four person game one person who can artificially push the game time ridiculously that's not a cool game you yeah. shouldn't be able to do that. There should be an out, like I said, like Ben said, a finite end. Like, even if it's a time limit thing, like we're all like, look at Magic. Isn't uh, I haven't played Magic in forever, so I could be entirely wrong now. Once you drew your last card from your library, you were it was it was win win loser draw in that next turn, was it not? Because if yeah, you couldn't if you, draw a card, if you couldn't draw a card, you you lost the game. Yeah, so. and that like, hey, you went through your whole deck, you gave it your all, and now you're out. Like, that's it. That's yep. that's a fair end of the game. I, I feel like an hour is kind of where, where I'm at. Sometimes 90 minutes, it depends on the game. Like if, if you go over 90 minutes. Two and a half hours me, if it's the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if you go over, to, you know, 90 minutes, this is specifically just for, for board game. Uh, if if you go over 90 minutes, then more than likely you're, you're, you're kind of immediately, you, you've lost me at that point. Um but yeah, if if you can keep it around that that sixty minute mark, that that's usually that's usually that sweet spot for me. Right? You know what? I don't mind if a game goes slightly longer than that. If everyone's having fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, yeah. If I look at if I if I get to a point in a game where I'm looking at the clock and going, "Oh dear God, I have things to do," and it's <laughs> almost X time, that's I don't good. like that. But if yeah. I'm if I'm like playing a game and we're having a blast, and I look at the clock and I'm like, "Oh dear God, we we need to stop." That's yeah. great. I'm I'm happy at that point. Like, and then and then like as a group, I come up with some weird arbitrary and like, okay, one more turn, count up what you got. Whoever's got the most things wins. You know that kind of thing. But 
That's usually at the point when you have the most things, right? <laughs> well, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like an hour to 90 minutes is probably good for the standard board yeah. game. But, and honestly, like I don't, I find that well, I don't hardly ever get to that point if it's anything, uh, if it's mm-hmm. less than three, pl- or three players or less. Sure. Like most games tend to run out faster than that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like I've, I played Twilight Imperium and we've done the whole weekend thing where um, we didn't finish the game in, in a Saturday and a Sunday. So we were like, well, I don't need my spare room for the rest of the week. So we'll come back to this next weekend. And it never happens. Everybody says they're going to do that. Everybody just throws like, a tablecloth over top of the game, promises not to touch anything. And then the next week comes by and it's like, oh, yeah, no, I don't have time, dude. <laughs> you know, so many of those games, like even the Horus Heresy, that honking big thing from Games Workshop, mm-hmm. that thing, I remember my friends playing that and it was just around and around and around i watched them play for a while and it's like i love the horus heresy it's my favorite area of time in in 40k but wow would i never play this game because jesus is boring as heck to watch <laughs> so i think we've we've covered most of the the uh talking points and the aspects of of uh board games that i tend to look at before i you know when when i determine whether or not a game is is a must uh, play or a must buy um one thing that, that, that we haven't talked about, and this applies for both the RPGs and for board games, does online buzz have any influence as to whether or not you get interested in an RPG or a board game or any kind of tabletop game? If you see like a lot of people talking about it and you're like, oh my God, like so-and-so really likes this game. Maybe that's that's a game for, for me and you you know, you dig that, da- you, know, you dig deeper into it, and you're like, yeah, well, it doesn't usually have, th- it doesn't have this or this, but they really like it. Some, or, or I keep hearing really good things about this aspect of this game. I'm gonna give the fact that this, it doesn't have this and this, uh, a pass, and and I, and I, I want to play it anyway. Um, is does that have any any, any influence uh, on on on? As your... as just a private person and not the the worker in a game store that Ben is um unless you two qualify as online buzz no it has zero influence yeah. on me whatsoever we do we do this so, right here. yeah okay okay then it, then it matters to me because honestly like I trust your guys's opinions I don't know why wow <laughs> well can we just can we just clip that and that's gonna be the sound bite for every every single time Jason Jason questions something I said. It's just gonna be like how, I I trust every you know you you two. How many times has Doug at eleven o'clock in the evening usually pitched me a game? He's like, click a link pops up in my in my in a chat, and I'm like, the heck is this? So I click on it. And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, Doug, what am I looking at? And he's like, does this not look cool? And I look at it some more, and I'm like, you know what? It kind of does look cool. And then we talk about it, and then we talk about it some more, and then we talk about something else, and then we talk about something more. And by the end of the day, suddenly I'm like, how did I? I back this. What? I own this now. What? How did I? How did that happen, Doug? What witchcraft is this? Like, if 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 my circle of friends, you, guilty, guilty. Ben, Barney, even although I don't think he's ever recommended a game to me in my in my life, um, Amanda. Or like any of our, our close circle of friends from from VCG, recommend a game. I'm gonna look at it. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. I, yeah. I give zero dams about online buzz from a company. You can take that and throw it in a trash can, and light it on fire. Because I know what you're trying to do. I can see through that. I know you're just trying to sell me something. 
Well, not necessarily from 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 a company. I I would say because I'm I'm in a lot of Facebook groups. And I, I you know I'm not as active as I probably should be, uh, but I do c- kind of t- tend to keep my ear to them. And if there's a certain game that constantly that's why he's not gets... as active as he should be because he should be using his eyeballs and not his ears. Well, you know, he's got his ear pressed against the screen. Well, exactly, can't hear anything. Exactly. Uh, but but if I see a game is getting a lot of hype and like. It's got a few things that I would consider, you know, positive aspects, but doesn't have all of the like more positive aspects than I typically would would consider to, to be. I'll sometimes go, wow, I, I kind of really want to play this just because everybody seems to be all about this game for some reason. Mm-hmm. And it must be doing something that something new or something different. And I want to see that. I want to see what that's all about. Um, ben, how about you? Is that uh, is that something that? I mean, as as Jason alluded to, as a retailer, if I'm not doing that, I'm not doing my job. Right, right. Um, but as a personal uh, gamer, no. Like, I've never, never once really been like, oh, you know, this is this is number one on the board game geek continents. I guess I gotta try it. Yeah, I don't like, really. I, I need to be aware of it, obviously, for work, but um, simply simply due to you know buzz and everything i've never like okay i gotta play it um if i did I'd, i probably would have played gloomhaven and i've, I've never even touched <laughs> uh, a box of gloomhaven aside from taking it out of the box and putting it on the shelf at work how many boxes of gloomhaven come in a in a case is it just like uh, one 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 oh it's one, one per case one per case <laughs> Yeah, yeah and, and to be honest with you, we we saw like a mock-up or early production copy of Frosthaven, <laughs> and if you thought oh. Gloomhaven was bad, just wait until you see Frosthaven. Frosthaven is or two. It's about one and a half times as big as Gloomhaven is. Yeah, and if you are unaware, um, they actually had to increase the MSRP on it. It is now a two hundred and fifty dollar MSRP game. Yeah, I mean. In Gloomhaven's defense, if you can get into that game, it's very fun. It oh, really yeah. is. Like, but it's but one it, of those games where the setup and the rules, you need to be good with chunky rules because you're going to well, be there a while. It's also one of those games where if you're, again, playtime, it's like a commitment. Like oh, Individual you, missions aren't hugely no, long. But, but if you want to play through like... A chapter in the are they call them chapters? I think I can't even remember if they call them chapters. Now. I think so, yeah. There's like three or four adventures in an area. I'm using air quotes for those at home. <laughs> um, if you wanted to play through that, you need to set aside an afternoon. Mm-hmm. Like you're starting after lunch and you're going till dinner time. Um, mm-hmm. But if you want to just play one chapter, you could easily chunk that out in 90 minutes yeah you could you could but it, but the teardown like, time on the game is a bit much for 90 minutes of if, play if you're investing in a game like gloomhaven or in frosthaven and you're paying that 100 120 100 i don't know what it, what is it 150 now or something for yeah 100, 150 msrp you find it most places for 120 this is why I don't own it yet, because in Canada, that's like 200 and some dollars. Yeah, that's that's like buying another house for you. You can just move into well, Gloomhaven there. Yeah, basically, you should be able, that box should unfold into a small condo. Yeah, that's uh, that's like a you know a house on the lake. You just put yeah. Gloomhaven right there next to it, and you move into it. Um, but if, if you're investing that much money into a board game, more than likely, 
you want you don't want to just set it up just for mm-hmm. that one session you want yeah. to you want to get the full experience That's you, i don't you want and yeah one thing that i've always wanted to know and, and we're getting really close to time so we won't go into this too far but like one thing i'd, I'd always want to know is like i wonder how many copies of gloomhaven have been purchased and have never been played all the way through and what's what's the I, average completion rate of gloomhaven all the way through i don't know i if i had to based just upon anecdotal evidence of the ones that i know i've sold through quarterstaff mm-hmm. uh i would say probably only 20 percent have been played to completion yeah and finished the the overarching story the over- yeah. see and that's the thing though it's it's a different kind of game it's not like your standard game where you play and then you put it away and then you play and it's the same basic game again but with different choices made by your players this mm-hmm. game, you play it and you do your campaign and your character advances and they collect gear and experience and they level up and they get more cards and they get different cards. So it's an it's it's almost it's like a weird legacy type game. You evolve your character as you play. So it's almost it's almost like you don't it almost doesn't belong in the board game category. It's a it's, it's a role it's playing a role game. Playing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a role playing game that comes in a self contained box with all the stuff you need to play. Uh, Algash says, uh, buzz gets me some one shots get me worse. That's how I ended up with more Borg and <laughs> Electric Bastion Land is next. Both very good games, by the way. I think you'll enjoy both of those. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting to see what, uh, it, it, there was a lot more similarities between the three of us than, than I anticipated. I, I thought that there would be, uh, a, a lot more, uh, differences. Well, we had different takes on a lot of the similarities too, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say, designer of a board game. Oh yeah, that's true. That, I forget to, that was one of my talking points. Yeah, yeah you, d- yep. designer does kind of pique my interest on Repu- reputation wise. It yeah. matters to the game itself. Yeah. Do you do you want to drop any names as to, to who yeah. who gets I'm, you gets you excited uh, right out of the gate? Uh, I I will I will. Okay. Uh, Eric Lang. If uh, if Eric Lang does something, I am very interested in it. I, I won't always like it, but I want to know what he's doing. Um, he actually got uh, his name being tied to the Munchkin um, CCG. Made me try the Munchkin CCG. Okay. And the fact that I, because if you know me, you know I dislike Munchkin quite a bit. Pretty, pretty heavily. Uh, we discussed this pretty, before. Pretty, pretty heavily. <laughs> Um, that said, the Munchkin CCG, if that is what Munchkin was, I would love Munchkin. I actually really like the CCG. Random, random things. Eric is a, is a wonderful guy and, uh, very smart and very, uh, uh, a joy to, to talk with. Uh, I've only talked to him probably a handful of times, but, uh, uh, yeah, no, he's, uh, I, I will say that there are lately there hasn't been a whole lot that that i've been super super excited about that eric's designed but uh, he has put out some of, some of my favorites of, of all time so you know he, you're right it's kind of aspect. one of the cool things about board games though yeah like there's enough there's enough companies and there's enough personalities and there's enough um genres i guess is the word of them that there's always something out there that's interesting whether or not it's interesting enough to buy is another story but like there's always somebody doing something and once you get a particular type style 
type and style of game that you really enjoy, you can pretty easily fill your mm-hmm. fill your year with following certain games until release and seeing sure. how they're doing and that sort of thing. Cool, cool. All right. I, we're over our time. We usually go 90 minutes and we're, we're over. So I want to thank everyone for joining us. Uh, if you have anything that uh, kind of makes a game, either a role-playing game or an RP or a, uh, a tabletop game of some sort, board game, card game, uh, you know, let us know in the comments. I, I'd be curious just to, to just to hear everyone's, uh, you know, what everyone kind of favors. Uh, it, I, that's one thing that that I love about this industry and, and the the hobby is that there's just so many different games out there that there's basically a game for everyone and there I'm is just no glad that Hasbro isn't the only game in town anymore right right <laughs> and like there is no perfect game like let's let's just be honest there's there's all there's no perfect game uh, there might be a perfect game for you but there's just not a perfect game for everyone and uh, you know that, that's fine if you understand that and and are okay with it then that's that's awesome because uh you know i what you love about uh, certain certain games and say certain tabletop games uh you know someone else might not and that's okay that's that's part of this this hobby and it's it's what makes it great so cool all right that's gonna do it for this episode uh if you enjoyed this episode please hit that like button down below uh that definitely helps us quite a bit um, if you have not already, please uh, hit that subscribe button. Uh, we greatly appreciate that. I will remind everyone that uh, if you'd like to join us every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, you can join us uh, for these audio pod- for this uh, for this podcast. Uh, great. Uh... Don't join us for the audio podcast at night. No, no, no. no. The, the audio podcast uh, releases on on Thursdays and uh, Thursday evenings. So uh, if you'd like to join us live, like everyone here in this to the chat, uh, so thank you so much, uh, Wendy, Cal. Allagash, Hungry Ewok, James, Vandebeast, Brian. Uh, let's see here. Michael, appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for, for being Cal. Uh, appreciate everyone that's that's part of our uh, VC Love community. you guys. Yeah, we, we, we do this because uh, because of you. And it's just great to kind of get together and chat about the, this hobby and this thing that we, we have uh, a, a great... Uh, I don't know. I want to say passion for. We have passion for board games. We love board games and, and tabletop games and RPGs, and and so it's great to yeah, kind of get yeah. everybody together. Yeah, yeah. Ben, ben kind of likes them, you know. The, the non-committal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, all right. This has been the chaotic good cast episode 139. It was chaotic, but it was so good. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Thanks so much for watching this video. Uh, if you would be so kind, make sure you hit that like, comment, and subscribe, all the YouTube jazz that we're supposed to do here. Uh, it really is greatly appreciated. And if you'd like to support us more, uh, you can uh, check us out on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com backslash victoryconditiongaming. We have all sorts of Patreon perks, and it definitely helps support our show. Thank you so much. What if, what if there was a game that was designed by Doug? Shoot. Would that immediately get your your interest probably not saying that they're but like you or like another doug shoot no like 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 me <laughs> yeah yeah probably 
All right. All right. <laughs> Just had to qualify that statement. I don't know if there's, a, there's there are other Doug shoots. Though, I would I definitely look at it for sure. Just just because you designed it. Just I would like, def- I'd look I would at give it, it the benefit least. of the doubt. Yeah. Like, I, I, I would just yeah, look at it. Whatever. Even if the cover art sucked, I'd look at it, Doug. What does wow. that say? Wow. There's, sometimes you got to wonder, hey, when you get a, when you see a book on a shelf and you're just like, what was the thought process? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, There's so I many books say... I've looked at on a shelf and I'm like, this is a weird looking book. I'm going to look at it because it's weird looking. And then I'm flipping through it and I'm like, I'm looking at back at the cover and I'm looking in the book and I'm looking at the cover and I'm like, who picked this? Like <laughs> Sixers Legends. <laughs> Sixers Legends. That's that's the, the name of the game. Only um, only Charles Barkley's your co-designer. That's Charles Barkley. <laughs> Charles Charles, uh yeah, because he's got nothing better to do. I'm he'll, sure he'll yes. design, I he'll, mean, he'll design he was that up, game with it. He was at the Burlington Airport, so he might not have anything better to do. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Design a, design a game with him while he's waiting for his plane. <laughs> yeah. I have twelve minutes before you board. Oh man. Yeah, I love, trying. you know what, the thing that really annoys me with board games, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I've seen Ben from the shop, so I know that uh, a little bit about what the shop looks like. I hate it when they put games on just the side, um, like where all you can see is just the name of the game sticking out. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. if it's a popular game, I don't care, because I already know that game. But there's so like I, I, there's a the store that I go to Mission Funding Games um, in St. Albert, they have the largest selection of board games in Canada in one store. They've got, uh, like, I don't know, like five or 6,000 games in that store. Um, but they're all packed onto shelves on their sides, so you like can't books see in the... a library. So, yeah. like, you can you, you can read the title all you want, but if the title is something weird and esoteric, unless you're willing to, like, dig it out of the shelf and look at it and then put it back, like... It's so, just... as, as a retailer, they are not large enough, even if they are the largest one, if they can't front face. Yep some well, of their product that's they true. have them they yeah. have the, the largest stock in canada but it sure as yeah. heck is not stocked well yeah over half the store is devoted to game tables for uh tcgs and the everything else is just pushed onto shelving in the back well that shows you where they're the majority of their oh, revenue is. oh for sure yeah the, the, this is the the board game aspect of it is is strictly a mail order prospect actually very few people actually come into the store to buy board games I, when I go to the city, what I'll do is I'll research a cool game that I might like or that Doug has no doubt mentioned to me. Um, and I'll see if they have it in stock. And if they do, then I'll go there and I'll pull the box and I'll be like, oh, okay, I'm going to have a look at this for a while. You know, that's, that's how you advertise, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I email them all the time. I'm like, hey, do you have this game? Uh, oh, no. And of course, it won't be out in Canada for like five months after it's been out in the States. So. <laughs> That's not getting any better uh, uh, up there, like with uh, shipping and everything. Not really, no. Well, like, when when did you send out the shoot crates? Uh, let's see here. Back in January. Still don't have mine. All right. <laughs> and it's what? Almost April. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it's 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 really ridiculous. Some some companies rough. like um, if you want to go first class and stuff like that, um, is it's fairly quick. Like I, I can order things and get them within a week if I'm willing to pay exorbitant shipping. Um, like actually, um, when I commented in the chat earlier about the Modifia shipping from the American store, basic flat rate, best of luck with a tracking number, uh, is $22 Oof. Canadian. Yikes. Um, 
if I wanted to get it within eight days, hundred and twenty-seven dollars. Yeah, is is the shipping there? Like, and every company is like that now. Drive through RPG. If I want to order so much as a as one of the of one of their little uh, deck boxes of cards, hundred and eighteen dollars. If I want it any time in the next three weeks. Yikes. After that, it's four to six weeks, and that's still thirty some dollars shipping. And then you've got to wait for it to be printed uh, before it's even sent. So you're adding time with that as well. And a lot, honestly, I find the quality from drive through has been hot garbage lately. Has I've it really several it, badly it cut down? books? Oh, that's uh, not good. Just the cutting, mostly. The, yeah. the actual printing process is, is passable. I don't have a problem with that. I haven't had any books fall apart on me. But lots of the covers are cut. And you can, they're off angle. Uh, especially on books that have a lot of color on the sides of the pages. Yeah. Uh, it looks, it, it's just, it's not, like, it's not what it used to be. That's for sure. And of course, I mean paper costs and cardboard costs and oh, that stuff has everything away. else has has gotten so high now that everybody's just they have no choice. I understand. I'm not saying that they're a garbage company or anything. Just it really sucks to want to buy something from a company like Drive Through right now because it's just so darn expensive to get anything from them. Yeah. At least in Canada, I don't know if it's any better for you guys, but I I don't know. I haven't haven't gotten anything print on demand from them for a while. Yeah. Like even Alan's uh, last Kickstarter that the Gallant funded rather than use Kickstarter. He, I, I, I emailed him about that and I was like, hey, is there any chance that I could buy this? And he's like, no, dude, we're not doing any kind of international shipping whatsoever. It's exorbitant and not worth it. Yeah. And it's, and again, it's nothing but a headache for him. So I'm like, I fully understand that. I, I completely get it. It sucks for me, but, you know, I'm not going to ask him to make a friggin' exception just for me. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Allagash says, uh, I just got my first drive through book, Warlock. It looks good. Nice. Yeah. No, I, I all of the products that I've ever gotten from them has been have been pretty decent. I mean, they're not like... I've never know. gotten hot garbage from them. No, ever. no. Mm-hmm. Um, just like there's minor, minor offsets, minor cutting offsets mostly. Like, especially on a book, um, if it has lines on the cover that you can no. sort of measure with. Yeah. Like uh, my my copy of Index Card RPG, uh, the first the first edition that I got from uh, from Runehammer on Drive Through, uh, it has lines on the exterior of the cover, and the lines on the top are about a half a centimeter offset. And by the time you get to the bottom, it's yeah. touching the line. So there's a oh. half centimeter cut angle yeah. on the on the cut down, that and it doesn't be- affect the book. Like I, no words are ruined, no page numbers are lost, nothing like that. It's still a perfectly legible book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It does. I look even just looking at it on the shelf from here. I can see. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but at, at least, least you have healthcare. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It is. It is true. <laughs> All right. I guess that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks everyone for sticking around this long, even after the credits. Appreciate you. We're doing an actual play of uh, the one ring with uh, Will Munn. Will Munn's coming on. Weirdly, the game I like the least right now. Wow. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. Excited to to get that. Uh, Ben's hopping back on on Wednesday night with us, too. I kind of want to watch just to watch Ben play. Yeah, it'll be fun. Because I know how interested he is in that sort of thing. (laughs) I'm also going to watch him die 89 times on his stream VOD as well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was a rough day. All right. We'll see you all next week. Bye.